and welcome to Down to Earth, our new podcast at Hubbub. I'm Sarah Dival, and over the rest of the series, I'll be passing the mic to grassroots activists, communities and people that are working hard and making big changes for their neighbours and for the planet. Each episode will share a different story from a different voice across the UK and tell us about the unique ways they're working on improving social and environmental issues where they live. We're going to meet the community leaders who are planting edible forests on rooftops, increasing representation in cycling, and redistributing surplus food to their neighbours. Everyday people doing extraordinary things, showing how people and places can work together to inspire more sustainable ways of living. In today's episode, we're going to be taking to the streets to talk about cycling. While cycling is big in lots of cities across Europe, I'm hoping to find out why this sustainable way of getting around remains comparatively unpopular here in the UK, and how communities countrywide are supporting each other to get more people on the road. Back in 2019, four-fifths of the British population admitted to rarely, if ever, getting on a bike. Some cities like Oxford, Cambridge and parts of London are home to more regular cyclists. But for most people, getting on your bike is something saved for weekend leisure trips as opposed to a regular way of getting around. Ooh, my tyres might need a bit of pump, actually. This has likely changed a bit over the pandemic as more of us were encouraged to walk or cycle and people didn't necessarily have to travel large distances to get into work. Have you got your this has all been backed up by a £2 billion investment by the government to bring in what they call a new era for active travel, which will see connected cycle routes and incentives to ride being implemented all around the UK. This scheme is as much about protecting health as it is about curbing pollution. There's lots of evidence to suggest that regular cycling lowers your risk of heart disease, strengthens bones and improves mood. It's a fun way to get aerobic exercise that gets you from A to B and has even been proven to change the way that our brain operates. Let's go! A 2013 study had a group of healthy young men pedal a stationary bike at a moderate pace for 30 minutes. The group completed a series of tests before and after the exercise. The study found that after their 30-minute pedal, they scored higher on memory, planning and reasoning and were able to complete the tests quicker than before the exercise. Where should we go today? As well as keeping us in good shape mentally and physically, cycling is also good news for the environment. It's generally accepted that to stop catastrophic climate change, we need to work globally to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and a fair amount of them come from trips in passenger cars. While it's unlikely that cars will ever disappear completely from our roads, especially in rural areas, swapping out one car journey a week to cycle instead can make a big difference. Let's go, let's go. So why isn't cycling as popular in the UK as it's become in some other countries around the world? Up this way! There are loads of barriers that might stop people from getting on their bike. Safety is a big one, but a lot of people also feel like cycling isn't for them. 
The image of super-fast, lycra-clad men racing down busy streets is still pretty pervasive in cycling. And according to TfL, regular cyclists are most likely to be white, working men without any disabilities. Women, those from minority ethnic groups, disabled people and the elderly continue to be underrepresented in cycling. However, communities around the UK are doing lots to get more people out on the roads. From car-free days in our busiest streets to making representation in cycling more diverse. Tower Hamlets is one of the most heavily polluted boroughs in London. And despite what a lot of people think, you're actually less exposed to air pollution on a bike than you are in a car. This is because on a bike, you're higher up from the traffic, so you're not as close to people's exhaust pipes, and you're moving freely through the roads so that you're not sitting around in stagnant air. As just under 40% of the population in Tower Hamlets are Muslim, a group called Cycle Sisters is working to inspire and enable Muslim women in the area to cycle. By offering cycle training and social rides, this group of women are helping to reduce emissions locally and to tackle stereotypes. What you can hear is a group of women preparing for their weekly cycle ride. This year, Habab has partnered with the local council and Cycle Sisters to support those less likely to give cycling a go. And to see how the project was going, we joined Cycle Sister Sabia Mia to hear about her journey in taking up cycling again. Cycle Sisters was started in 2016 when Sarah Javed realised that sisters living in Waltham Forest really, really wanted to get on bicycles, didn't really quite know how to work that process and be able to form a group so that they can support each other going out on bicycle rides. So that's where the idea kind of began. So I just started cycling like six months ago. The last time I cycled was like when I was seven, eight years old. We can take an absolute beginner. So if somebody was to approach me and said, I have never, ever been on a bicycle, but I really, really want to come on your weekly rides, how do I do this? Yeah, I, I never cycled. I wasn't confident. I was really wobbly. The first thing that I would do is put them in touch with someone who can give them cycle training. So everyone across London at the moment is entitled to four hours of free cycle training through their local authority. And even after an hour of that training, I've seen women go from not being able to ride at all to quite confidently just being able to ride around Victoria Park. So it's absolutely doable. And then by the time they've done the four hours, they're actually able to come on our weekly led rides. So it's as simple as that. Now I'm like the first one in the line, <laughs> isn't it? I'm always behind. I'm like, no, sorry, I'm in front. <laughs> I'm Sabia and I've a very, very long career in community development. And then also now the latest thing is working with Cycle Sisters in Tower Hamlets. I always really, really wanted to cycle, but I think you set up barriers mentally in your head. So you think, oh, I'm a Muslim woman, a woman of colour, I'm of Bangladeshi origin, it's not the done thing within my community. I don't see any other women who look like me out there on a bicycle. Coming from the background that I come from, women are very, very protected. And being seen on a bicycle, it's like 
you're at risk and especially with other members of the family it's like immediately they're like oh I don't want you out on the road you know there's a hundred things that can happen to you and it's that immediate protectiveness that sort of comes into play. Hold on, hold on, hold on actually, did everybody do the ABC checks? Eh, brace, your chain. This is the doggy seat. It makes it more difficult when you don't have visible people out there, potentially women wearing hijab or burqas or jilbab. The response then becomes that it must not be for me then because I can't see any brown women who might be Muslim, they're not pictured in this group here. So the message I'm getting is it's not something for your section of the community. So when you do have that representation, immediately you get the sense of inclusion and you think, oh, actually, I can do this and I can take that step. So it immediately gives you that permission to be able to say, Yes, I do want to do it. And it's just such a subtle form of encouragement. Yeah, 100%. I definitely see the power of having people who have the same experiences as you and being able to form a group that way if you don't feel like you're part of this other thing. And then we make a straight line. What about the taboos that might exist within the community? How do you kind of address those with the women that you're working with? So I think there's a lot of things that... As a Muslim woman, you would think would prevent you actually from being on a bicycle. So key things are sort of wearing a burqa, which is the long dress, um, wearing a headscarf. But do you know what? All it is is just a couple of tweaks. You don't actually have to change the way you dress. It's just literally thinking about on a practical level, how is this going to work on a bicycle? So especially if you're wearing a long flowing dress, think about how your feet will be pedaling while you're on a bicycle and maybe go for something a bit more narrow, something with a slit so that it doesn't get caught in the cogs of the bicycle. And also with wearing a headscarf, it's just being practical around. You don't want it to be flapping around in the wind. And it's just it's kind of nuanced, I guess, advice that we give to sisters just to not let that stop them on their bicycle journey. So we've seen sisters in niqab and it's really inspirational because you just think, oh, how is someone on a, wearing a niqab and a burqa going to be able to be on a bicycle? But when you see videos of her, she's done it and it can be done, obviously. Almost there. Oh, I've got no gears. Oh, no, that's very difficult without gears. The scariest moments were when my mother-in-law and my mum, when I had to tell them, oh, you know, I go cycling now. And they both just went, oh, OK. And that was so not the reaction that I was expecting. But it was so nice to have their support. And even my mother-in-law now is like, oh, I want to get on a bicycle, but I'm a bit worried with my arthritis. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But it's really inspiring when you hear other women, you know, of the older generation, particularly from the Bangladeshi community, who now are like, well, I've seen you on a bicycle. I want to get out there on a bike as well. Like, when are you going? I really want to come out with you. And just hearing that, it just encourages you to do even more. Well done, Sylvie. <laughs> and you're now training to be a ride leader, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And it's so exciting to be able to be in a position, because that's one of the things about Cycle Sisters, is that it's passing the baton from one sister to the next, if you like. So I've come on my own journey and I took up cycling I'm at a point where I'm confident enough to be able to take other sisters out but then in time what will happen is the women that come on the group rides themselves eventually will also gain that confidence to be able to become ride leaders and then 
at another point be able to access that training and become ride leaders themselves. So it's a growing network of support for women sort of within each of the boroughs where Cycle Sisters works. Why do you enjoy cycling? What is it about it that makes you want to get up and get out on your bike? Oh, my God. How long have you got? It's just that feeling of just completely being free and <laughs> having that space to think for yourself. I live in Newham. We have the Greenway and we have quite a lot of space, especially on the Olympic Park as well, where it's just completely car-free. And just to be in those spaces, just cycling along, along the River Leave and enjoying the scenery, enjoying the moment, feeling the air and just being able to breathe and not feeling anxiety and not feeling stress. It's just that feeling of liberation and freedom. Yeah, atmospheric. Also seeing parts of London that you wouldn't otherwise see, sort of rethinking London and then discovering things like the Olympic Park, it's just this whole other landscape that didn't really exist just over a year ago. So it's kind of doubled what London is to me, if that makes sense. You could cycle around it all day and still not see it all. That's beautiful. And what kind of feedback have you had, I guess, from going out cycling and running this scheme? What kind of feedback have you had from other members of the Muslim community? It's been so positive. The waiting lists of women wanting to take up cycle training and really, really anticipating the group rides to start again once lockdown ends. It's like literally every day on the WhatsApp groups, women saying, when can we go out? We were like, oh, we don't want it to end. And even I think one of the sessions were canceled because of the weather. We were like, no, we're having that session back again. <laughs> so now they've extended it one lesson. Everyone is really, really supporting it. And especially the husbands, the media has this representation of Muslim women being subservient and at home cooking and cleaning. It's so not that. Even the husbands are like, right, you know, when are you getting out there on a bicycle? Like, maybe that can be your next birthday present, you know? <laughs> the sense of support is absolutely phenomenal. The other day I saw someone on the bike, she must have been like 95. <laughs> and she looked so good and she was... So my aim, hopefully, inshallah, will be to cycle. <laughs> I guess this is like a barrier that I put up for myself in my head. I carried on those very traditional values and in my mind I thought, oh, you know, it's not acceptable. And I expected the reaction to be, oh, you mustn't do that. Oh, what are other people going to say? You know, you're a Muslim woman on a bicycle. Ladies, how are we feeling? Good. Good, good. How are we doing? Yeah? Because I have the right bike now. Hearing someone say, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe you've just cycled 10 miles. That in itself gave me so much more confidence to be able to say, actually, do you know what? I'm going to go out even more and tell more people about it. So I can officially say that you guys can ride in the road. And when you see other sisters on bicycles, it just propels you all that little bit more to say, well, you know, it's kind of accepted. And I don't know why, in my mind, I thought I couldn't do it. I can, and I am. <laughs> listening to Down to Earth, a podcast from Hubbub. 
And if you've been inspired to get on your bike, then Cycle UK runs groups for cyclists across the country. You can find out more about how Cycle Sisters are supporting Muslim women in getting into cycling by looking on their website, www.cyclesisters.org.uk, where you can also find your local group or even look into setting up your own. more and more of us are interested in getting on our bikes, cycling in the UK is still a little niche. The majority of us still drive or take public transport to get to work. In rural areas, nearly three quarters of people commute by car, something that's unlikely to change since people living there will probably need to travel large distances to get to work. But even in London, about a third of people were using a car for their commute before the lockdown. Across Europe, there are a number of cities that have really nailed urban cycling. Cities like Amsterdam, Utrecht and Copenhagen, where cycling is prevalent, offer citizens cheaper travel, cleaner air and quick routes around the city. The UK is a little bit behind these cycle-friendly hubs, but as the UK government in 2020 committed to investing £2 billion across the UK into more active travel, we're now looking to these cities which have set a precedent for making their streets as bicycle-friendly as possible for their citizens. So, what better city to take inspiration from than Copenhagen, where 62% of the city's inhabitants cycle to work every day. It is true that Copenhagen is the world's best bicycling city today. We spoke to Morten Cabell, the former mayor of the city, to find out how they encouraged so many people to start cycling. Um, But there are three reasons for Copenhagen being this good bicycling city, and that's infrastructure, infrastructure, and infrastructure. Simply the fact that Copenhagen has made the right choice, the easy choice, that it is the easiest way and the fastest way to get around town, to get to work, to get home, to get to your friends, to do your groceries. All those things are much easier to do on a bicycle, simply because the the city has made the right choice and has made some pretty deliberate steps in, yes, reducing car traffic, getting people onto their bikes, and onto public transport. To encourage cyclists, Copenhagen has built wide, connected cycle lanes all around the city and introduced cyclist-focused perks, like clearing snow from bicycle lanes ahead of roads and offering traffic-calmed streets, in order to send a clear signal that cyclists are prioritised over motorists. It's understandable, then, that Copenhageners want to cycle in the city – perhaps not because they were interested in being more sustainable or even because they wanted to keep fit or save money, but because the city has made cycling the easiest and quickest way to get around. When you ask Copenhageners, why do you ride your bike? And the city does that every year. Then it's only about 7% who say they ride their bike because they're green. There is no doubt that being on your bicycle makes you fit and healthy longer. That has huge societal advantages. I mean, People that stay fit, stay active, also have less obesity, which again means less diabetes, less cardiovascular diseases. So that means a lot for everybody. And I'm pretty sure that's nothing you think about when you make your daily choice on on mode of transport. There you just go, what's easiest, what's fastest? And therefore, it is so important that the city 
makes that thinking ahead of you and make sure that bicycling is the easiest mode of transport and the fastest mode of transport, because otherwise you will be tempted to do something else. This is important because we're unlikely to have much luck in the UK convincing more people to get cycling if the infrastructure isn't there to support them. Or, as we saw with Saab, if they don't see themselves represented on the roads. However good the environmental or health benefits, the best way to get people out of their cars and onto their bikes is to make it the easiest way to get around and to make sure that everyone feels welcome and confident. As someone who cycles in London a lot, I wondered how we could catch up with Copenhagen. And there, London could do a lot more because, yes, I have been on a bike in London and it didn't feel safe. And it felt like something I was like, I think I'll prefer the tube and walking. And that's, of course, great because that's still public transport. That's still a very efficient mode of transport. But the the problem is also that a lot of people then choose to use taxis, to use an Uber, to use their car. And then you lose all the benefits that you could have gained from having a good bicycle network in your city. And London is, would be a very easy city to transform into a very, very good bicycling city in this world. There is no doubt about that. Whilst London may be moving at a slower pace in making cycling more accessible and attractive to commuters citywide, other cities in the UK have managed to make better progress at making their streets bicycle friendly. There are some good ones out there. No doubt about it. Bristol in the western part of England is definitely a, an example of where they have done a lot. And that, that is one of the good examples where the former mayor really prioritised a green and active transport. And that was great. Morton made redesigning a city sound really possible and drove home for me that the best way to design a cycle system that works for everyone is to speak to the people that use it to make sure that people can get to work quickly, feel safe sending their kids to school on their own and aren't intimidated by busy traffic junctions or roads. I wondered why city planners in Copenhagen had become interested in cycling in the first place when so many other cities had been investing in infrastructure for cars. Well, the city basically had no money in the 90s, but days away from going bankrupt, so the city had to choose the cheapest possible infrastructure in order to get things moving. And that is bicycle infrastructure. And that was why the city chose that. But it was also a matter of citizens demanding to get the city back. And they were tired of the squares being used as parking lots. Parents were tired of not being able to send their kids off to school on their own and so on. So things had to change. And I mean, at one point you had a third of the city's population demonstrating in front of city hall, demanding to get the city back. And it would be a very foolish politician or planner who didn't heed that demand, if for any no other reason than to get re-elected at least. So, of course, people did something. And since then, it has been a good dialogue between citizens, planners, politicians, and how can we improve this? Improved cycling infrastructure in Copenhagen is an example of the power that we can all have when we come together to use our voice to ask for tangible change. If you want more car-free days in your town or safer cycle lanes in your city, now is the time to come together and to tell your representatives what you want by writing to your MP or getting involved in local cycling groups. There's no doubt that it also means that Copenhageners today expect to be heard and expect to be part of uh, urban development. So whenever the city forgets that, then you have huge demonstrations and people say, listen to us. 
And so that has created a, you can say, demand for more democratic influence, and that's all good. But there is no doubt that it has also meant something for the healthcare because a population that rides their bikes is also a population that stays active and fit longer. That's good for reducing obesity, for reducing a lot of diseases. So also on the you can say objective level, this has really been important for everybody. Cycling round the Olympic Park, not far from where Sab and I live, made me think about the way that she described cycling, how much she enjoyed it and how it changed the way that she saw her local area, giving her a different perspective and the opportunity to explore new places. I recognised the feeling of freedom that she talked about when you get on a bike, the chance to clear your head and take more notice of what's around you. Cycling isn't just good for the environment or for our health, but as we heard from the Cycle Sisters, it's a way to empower people and bring them closer together, to improve the air we breathe and to make our cities safer. As the country is coming out of lockdown, we have the chance to get healthier, live more sustainably and to vote with our wheels. I want to say a really big thank you to Sabia, the Cycle Sisters, and to Morton for chatting to us, and to you, our listeners, for tuning in. You've been listening to Down to Earth with me, Sarah Dival. If you liked the episode, we'd love it if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can subscribe to the series on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. If you want to keep up with the Cycle Sisters journey or if you have a story to share, you can follow us on Instagram at hellohubbub or drop me an email at sarah at hubbub.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a Boom Shakalaka production. The producer for the series is Eva Krisiak. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.